for joining us as we hear an anointed word from Treasure Coast Victory Center. Thank you, guys. I appreciate that. Uh, thank you, guys, for uh, giving me the opportunity to share God's word with you. Um, Hallelujah. Pastor asked me to speak, I guess it was about a month ago, and then God said to speak about the Holy Spirit. So, um, so it was about a month, and I'm like, you know, I always have to go back and forth with God. <laughs> I don't know why. I'm like, well, Pastor just did that, and he did a real good series on the Spirit within and the Spirit upon, and I just talked about led the Spirit. I'm, you know, here I'm always trying to, you know, I don't know why I do that, but I just do. I guess I like to talk, so we <laughs> I talk back and forth, you know. <laughs> Anyways, it's the Holy Spirit, and he always wins. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. so I, I went into study, and, and there was, so what I did is just, did a timeline, things that I had questions for, I sought for answers for, and did some really deep studying, which I like to do. I think that's why he kind of gives me stuff so I'll go deeper into it. So uh, what I learn, I like to share with you. So I uh, pray that uh, what I'm sharing with you will hit and land on your heart too. So what I've done, this this is all full of scriptures here, what I gave you. I, um, I, I wanted a timeline of the Holy Spirit of when he came into the earth and how he came in and when he left and all of this, because I had a lot of questions and I'll share that with you as I go. And maybe you didn't, maybe you got it right away. (laughs) Sometimes I don't get something and it's so obvious it says it right there on the very next sentence. But I I don't know, I'm always one that just is asking questions and wanting answers and wanting to reason God's word. And it's not that I don't accept it, but you know, I'm human, so... I still work in my mind reasoning thing, which I try to get out of that, but I do. So I want to start and sharing you the timeline of the Holy Spirit. And this is a two-week session, so really you can't talk about the Holy Spirit in you know hour here and hour next week. But I do encourage you, if you have not received the pastor's tape on the Spirit Within and the Spirit Upon, it's been a couple of years, but he does have the CD series back there, and I, I know I enjoyed it. Uh, Genesis 2.11, and the Lord God formed man of dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. So we know we're made in God's image. We know that we're a spirit man, and he made us from dust, so there's no life in dust. So, you know, and the Bible says, without the spirit, you are dead. So it's, he breathed life into us, into our spirit, and into our soul, and made us alive from his breath, Okay. So that's where it all started as far as with man. And then Genesis 2, 16 through 17, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest of that you shall surely die. Well, death is separation from God. So they were used to living in the presence of God, just like the song that they sang, <laughs> okay? They were, Adam and Eve were used to totally living in his presence and talking to him, and they completely had his presence with them, okay? But as soon as they ate, ate of the tree, immediately his presence were, was gone. You know, God's saying, where are you? You see? Okay, well, they didn't die physically, which God brought in life. He didn't bring in death, but physical death did follow. It just wasn't bam now. Okay, but what did happen immediately was the spiritual death. All right, so uh, the spirit of God left them. All right, so and we know that many times in the Old Testament, if you read many times, you'll see that the spirit 
upon, came upon many different people. And God always found a way to, it was usually the prophets or kings or priests. This was his way of helping guide his people, and he put the Spirit upon them, usually for knowledge and wisdom and guidance. And this is where, you know, he, you will see that that's what happened was the Spirit upon. But it was not permanent. Because, like, think about King Saul. Uh, King Saul had, you know, had God's Spirit upon him. And then he went into sin, and the Holy Spirit left him. And then he lost his mind. And the only thing that kept any sanity in his mind was listening to David play the harp. Now, at this time, point in his life, he did not like David. Now, he's a king, so I mean, he could have chose anybody to play for him, right? I mean, it wasn't like, this is the only man that can come here, you know. But why did he choose David, who he didn't like? There you go. David was anointed as a young kid. And it, was, it wasn't just the playing of the song, it was the anointing. So see, when the Holy Spirit left him and he he lived in that presence, he was spiritually dead and he, he couldn't live. His mind just went. So it was the anointing music from David that kept his mind straight and he just wanted him there constantly playing. So this goes to show you how important the Holy Spirit is in our life. Uh, Luke 1, 15, for he shall be great in the sight of the Lord. Now here we're talking about John the Baptist. Now we're in the New Testament already. Um, And shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. In the whole Bible, John the Baptist was the only one that was filled with the Holy Ghost within. Okay? He is the only one that had the Holy Ghost in inside him, dwelling with him, like we have now, at this point. He was the only one, okay? So he did not have the Spirit upon him, and he was not born again, because he did not have a new creation. He did not have a new spirit, like we have, okay? Because Jesus had not died and been resurrected. But what he did have is God placed his Spirit into him, into his womb at birth, okay? And you can see his purpose in his life, um, of why he had to have the Holy Spirit in him, because uh, the Holy Spirit in you gives you God's nature and character of how to act, correct? And he had to bring a very, very important message, and it had to be from somebody that people would receive from. Because you think about, you know, he wasn't, he he wasn't like a Pharisee. He wasn't like, uh, you know, a, a priest. Or, or, you know, someone people would look up to. So it was his anointing, okay, that he had that people received from him and that he was always baptizing people. So he had no miracles because he had no spirit upon him, and that's the power of God, okay? Matthew 1.11, this is Jesus talking. Verily I say unto you, among them that are born of women, there had not risen a greater than John the Baptist. John the Baptist. Notwithstanding he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than him. All right? So he's the greatest man that ever lived up to that time, but he's still least in the kingdom of heaven. That's because John the Baptist was the only one that was filled with the Holy Spirit. So it made him the greatest. Okay? Nobody else besides Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus was born of God, born of blood, born of water, born of God. Okay? But... John the Baptist had the Holy Spirit within him, but he did not, he, 
you know, he was not a new creation. He was not born of God like Jesus was, okay? So when John died, he went to hell like all the other righteous men did at that time. And then when Jesus died, he went to hell and brought the righteous out back up to heaven. But yet, because he wasn't born again, not born of God, he's the least in the kingdom of heaven. Isn't that cool how that is? I just, I always, then, I mean, Pastor Tom's been talking a lot about purpose in life, okay? And, and if you understand, John had a purpose, and it was one purpose only. And he had to be filled with the Holy Spirit for people to receive from him so that he could let everybody know to repent because Jesus was coming, and you need to receive from him. He had a message. And I used to read this, and I was thinking, oh, he was such an important man, and he died right away, didn't he? Now, stop and think. I mean, Jesus rode Lazarus from the dead. Why didn't he rise? You know, why didn't, I used to to wonder, why didn't he do that to John the Baptist, his own cousin? (laughs) You know, why did he do that? He was a young man. Why did he have to die so young? Well, he he served his purpose. His, His days were filled right? I mean, Jesus didn't even say, I'm going to go see him like he did Lazarus. You know, he waited for four days and then he went to see him. It it, it just, he was hurt over it, but he knew, you know, with Lazarus, he said, your time was not come, but he didn't say that with John the Baptist. He knew his purpose was served. So we have a purpose. And when we, we actually walk in our purpose and it's served, our days are done being written. Are we, we've actually met the plans that God wrote for us with an expected end, that's the expected end. Okay, so even though he was young, it was expected um, from him at that time. So um, the next one, the scripture I put in the Amplified, Matthew 3, 13 through 17. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan River to be baptized by him. But John tried to prevent him, vigorously protesting, saying, it is I who needed to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus replied to him, permit it just now, for this is the fitting way for us to fulfill all righteousness. You see, John's thinking, he's telling everybody, he's going to baptize you in the Holy Ghost and fire, and I'm just doing it with water. And so John's saying, why did you come to me? You know, no, 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 it's all reversed. Let's, instead of me baptizing you, you baptize me. That's what John's saying. But that's not good. Why did he have to have the Holy Spirit? God, he, God put the Holy Spirit back in the, on earth again so that Jesus could receive the Holy Spirit, okay? So Jesus was born with the Holy Spirit in him, born of God, but he didn't have it upon him. You see, God would have been cheating. He would have just been sending God down to earth. He wouldn't have been sending man get it? So it's amazing how God, I just love putting all these pieces of the puzzle together. So John's purpose was be filled with the Holy Spirit within you. And he had to have the Holy Spirit in him to baptize somebody. You have to be, be a believer to receive the Holy Spirit. And then when you have the Holy Spirit, you can give the Holy Spirit to someone. Okay. You can pray it in, you can lay hands, uh, you know, you can preach it in, but this is what John's purpose was. So this was kind of you know, enlightening to me. And then, of course, the heavens opened up, and he says, this is my beloved son, who I am well pleased with and delighted. Um, 1 Corinthians 12, 13. For by one spirit we are all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. This is the, Okay, now, 
Bible, the Bible uses baptize many different times, and we have to understand the definition of baptize is to be immersed, okay? So it's not always every time you hear the word baptize meaning water baptism, and I think we kind of, I know I did in the beginning, took it always meaning always water baptism. Um, water baptism is your, an outward expression from you, from an inward feeling of how you feel as a symbolization for what God did for you, okay? What he did for you is immersed you in the Holy Spirit when you accepted Christ in your life. He brought you and he united you. I like the word united because when you're immersed, you're united, Okay, you're united. His spirit, he gave you a new creation and you are totally baptized into one spirit. It doesn't matter who you are that's, that's accepting Christ into your life. We're all immersed and united into one spirit, correct? Yeah. And that's why water baptism does so good, okay? Because it doesn't matter, water is water. It doesn't matter how little or how much or whatever, it's still water, right? So it, and it's still an immersing. Um, 1 Corinthians 12, 13, for by one spirit, um, let me read that one, I'm sorry. Uh, John 14, 16 through 17, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper, another helper, okay? Hey, Jason, because Jesus was with them and he's telling them I'm leaving you. So he says another, because the Holy Spirit that I'm sitting here with that you're used to, now I'm going to give you another one, okay? Because he's taken the <laughs> Holy Spirit with him. So it'll be a comforter, an advocate, an intercessor, a counselor, a strengthener, and a standby. Now stop and think, that's what Jesus was to the disciples, correct? Yes. And to be with you forever, the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive and take to its heart because it does not know him. The world does not, if they do not know the Lord, the Lord is foolish to them. The Holy Spirit, the whole idea of all of it is foolish to them. They don't understand it. You have to know the Lord and love the Lord to be able to receive him into your life, just like you have to believe in him in order to receive him. And then he goes on and says, but you know him because he, the Holy Spirit, remains with you continually. Jesus was walking in the Holy Spirit, okay? So he was continually, the disciples were continually around the Holy Spirit when they were with Jesus, okay? And then he will be in you, all right? So you, you think now, once he got baptized, he performed miracles. That's when he received the Spirit upon him. That wasn't when Jesus was born again. Jesus was already born of God. He was born of God, born of water, okay? Born of blood, born of man, all right? So Jesus was, all, he never got born again. He was already born of God. But when he got the Holy Spirit upon him, so in Matthew, even though I put this in here in the Amplified, even in the King James and in Luke, both of them will say upon. And he never did any miracles until he was baptized with the Spirit upon him. Okay? And then he's telling you, now there's two different things which are described as a well of water and a river, okay? So when you get the spirit within you, this is a well within inside you, okay? Now I want you to think of what a well is. A well is always fed by something else. It's fed by like a live underground stream or river, correct? It, it's always being fed. But you have to pump the water out to get it there to yourself. So the Holy Spirit is in you. You have to bring the Holy Spirit 
out to use him. All right? Um, even today, even though we don't pump the water, we still have to make some type of effort, like turning the faucet on, correct? To get the water. There's some type of effort you have to have to get the water out. And that's exactly when Christ is in you, you can leave the faucet off the whole entire time and ignore the Holy Spirit. You can do that. That's when you run into a lot of sin in your life because you're not, letting, you're not listening to your spirit and because the Holy Spirit talks to your spirit. That's how he witnesses to you. So when you're not listening to your spirit, your spirit does not have dominion over you. Your body, your mind, your will, emotions, they have, you know, we're walking in the flesh, okay? But you have to open the faucet to let the spirit have dominion over you. So this is your well. So the spirit in you is for you, for, for you to have walking in God's love, you to have God's character, and you to have God's nature. John 7, 37 through 39. In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the scripture had said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Again, this is proof that you cannot receive the Spirit even upon you if you do not believe in him. Okay? So now the rivers of living water are when a river starts coming out of your well. When you got your faucet running and it's running over. Many times in the Bible you'll say where it, it'll, it'll say, a lot of times you'll say receive the Holy Spirit, okay? And that's the biggest thing because you do have to receive it. So many times somebody will give us a gift and we think we're receiving it because you're not receiving it because you're not opening it, okay? You actually have to receive. The most important thing is to receive it and know that you're, that you're worthy of the gift of the Holy Spirit, Okay, and you have to receive it and accept the Holy Spirit into your life. Um, and then also filling is God, when, whatever God does in your life, he's going to do it from the inside out, not the outside in. So, so many of us look for things to change in the natural from the flesh, but he's working from the inside out on, on anything he does in your life, no matter what it is. Okay, healing, deliverance change of character. Whatever it is, it starts from the inside. And that's no different than with the Spirit and Him filling you. So if, if your well is going to get filled to overflowing, it's not because somebody's pouring water in it, is it? It's because the river from the underground river from below is coming up and overflowing. So when He's filling you, you are getting filled from the inside out. So a lot of times you'll see or read that it's you're being filled with the Holy Spirit, and now the, you're overflowing so that... Holy Spirit is upon you, and what is upon you is when you receive the power, and this is when it's for others, because Christ is flowing out of you instead of just staying inside of you, correct? Okay, so uh, you have the Holy Spirit to help you walk in Christ, and I mean, we, I, I know I need that. I need to have him, and I'm always asking, you know, walk in love, Susan, walk in love, you know? I have to kind of walk myself through being led by the Spirit at all times. To me, it's a full-time job. I will tell you, it just doesn't come completely natural. No matter how hard I try, I have to constantly make decisions. Mm -hmm. um, but to be able to walk in the fullness of Christ, okay, like Jesus said he wants us to do and like Paul's telling us to do, you're going to need to accept and to receive the Holy Spirit within and the Holy Spirit upon you, or you're not going to walk in the fullness of Christ because Christ was completely filled with the Holy Spirit. So um, we need a helper in our life. Um, I know we do. And the Holy Spirit is always there. And I, like I say, I'm trying to be led. And I think 
Maybe everybody was here Sunday when I shared that last Wednesday after church, uh, my granddaughter and I got in a car accident. And uh, anyways, the, the, the car rolled at least three times, and Emily and I are wonderful. I mean, great. I mean, it, it, it's amazing because God was all over it, and so were his angels. You know, I was just telling Cody, I don't even think my head turned. I felt like when I went on a roller coaster at Legoland, it was a little one. I bounced around more <laughs> and felt worse than this. I mean, it was, his angels were all over me. But here's where I'm going to tell you. I was given four different things during the day that the Holy Spirit was trying to tell me that day. Before my feet hit the ground to get out of bed that morning, God said to me, take communion. And I take communion. I don't take it every day, but I do take it. But I really hadn't taken it in a little while. I go, okay, because God's never told me to take communion. I just do it, okay? So I got right up, and there's my communion glass in the kitchen window, and I was getting ready to take it. And I have no idea what distracted me. It wasn't the Spirit of God that distracted me, <laughs> I can tell you that much, but it distracted me, and I didn't think about it again the entire day, okay? Then, as I was getting ready to come to church, my husband said to me, Susan, before you go, I need to know something. I said, what? And he goes, it, nothing's going to happen to you, but if it does happen to you, how do I get money out of the business account? I don't even know where your password book is. I don't know how to get into that account. I, I, I mean, don't you think I ought to know this? And, you know, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I, so I'm telling him where the password book is. I'm telling him where the life insurance folder is, <laughs> you know. My husband's 11 years older than me, but things can be reversed, can't they? <laughs> you know. So I'm telling him that. And then I said, you know what? I'm going to write it all down for you. That was on the way to church, okay? Then right when Emily and I get in the car, you know, my... My business is driving to appointments every day for a living. I put a lot of miles on in my vehicle. And I've only had it like three years. It, I buy it used anyways. But as I would just got in the car, I saw that I just hit 96,000 miles. And I thought, oh, I got one year left to go on it. Um, at the end of the year, um, Medicare season is from October to December. I don't get paid any money for three months at the end of the year. I have to wait till the beginning of January, and I get one lump sum. So I says, okay, I'm going to do it, keep this car through one more medic, you know, open enrollment, and then I'm going to pay off what I owe and take a deposit and put down on another car. That was another decision I made as soon as I got in the car. And then on the way here, Emily and I started sharing how much we meant to each other and how special we were in each other's lives. And the whole way here, we shared that. Okay? When I was sitting in the ambulance, I thought about all four of those things. I definitely need a fine-tuning on listening to the Holy Spirit. Do you see what I'm trying to say? I didn't listen at all. Not only that, I had promised Emily a milkshake. So we went to McDonald's to get a milkshake, and they said, we don't have milkshakes. I'm going, oh, yeah, right. I got a lot of milkshakes here, but you don't have them now. Okay, no milkshakes at McDonald's tonight, okay? So we go to Burger King and get a milkshake. Our milkshake machine is broken. Were the angels busy trying to get me on the road? Do you see what I'm saying? Well, we went across the street to Checkers where we never go to get a milkshake. Get out of Checkers and we pull down, you know, half a mile and then we're hit. But you, do you see, if, if I was more in fine and tune, I could have listened and picked up. It's not easy, but the more you're fine-tuned with the Holy Spirit, the more he's going to lead you. He really is. I, I needed, it just, I sit in that ambulance and I'm thinking of all these things. Like, Susan, listen closer. Just listen to your gut feeling. Pay attention more. And, and I wasn't. I really, I, I, I didn't catch any of it, not one single bit of it. So I still have a long way to go, <laughs> you know? Okay, uh, 
Matthew 3.11, I indeed baptize you with water and to repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Okay? Hebrew 12.29 says, for our God is a consuming fire. And I'll tell you what, he is. He is a consuming fire. I'm telling you, the closer you get to God, the more that you uh, listen to your spirit, which is a witness to you. The Holy Spirit talks to you through your spirit. I mean, God definitely is a, a, on fire in my life. I'm telling you, he's consumed all parts of my life. I think about him at all times. My life has changed because he's put me on fire for him. He is a fire, okay? And this is what John is trying to say when he says, I'm going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. He's not, he, he doesn't mean Jesus is going to come and baptize you with water or put fire upon you. He's trying to tell you his baptism includes the Holy Spirit upon you and in you, and you're going to be consumed with him, okay? Because your life will change. So there is a difference. Colossians 2, 6 through 10. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of this world, and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And you are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. Um, this is, you know, this scripture, this is right here is trying to tell you that, you know, we kind of have to pull ourselves out of the world, live in the kingdom of God, okay, and realize this is where the fullness of Christ is. This is where you will pick up his power to know how to have power and control in your life over any demonic force. But also it's because of the presence you have from the Lord. The presence alone will push this away of, of God, okay? So I know I want to live in the fullness of Christ. I want the, full, the fullest I can. Whatever he has to offer, I want it. Um, Ephesians 3.19, till we all come to the unity of the faith. Now, what this is talking about is the church. Until all of us, no matter what we believe in, no matter what religion, until every one of us come into the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man. This is talking about the church becoming a perfect man because we're all members of Jesus's, of, I should say, Christ's body, okay? So we're really going to make one perfect man. But every one of us have to sooner or later unite. Every one of us have to pull together with being the fullness of Christ unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So... We need to pull ourselves together. And by doing this, um, when you receive, every one of us, when we have Christ in us, has anointings upon us. I know pastor's been preaching this to us quite often. And so many people don't think they have an anointing in their life. And we all do. Every single one of us do. And every one of our anointings are different. Okay? And, and it's wonderful because it's like, so we have water, and it doesn't matter if you have a drop of water or a glass of water from how much you have opened the Holy Spirit up to live in your life, okay? But it's kind of like God flavors every one of our water a little bit different. You know that lemonade flavor, something you just put a drop in? Because, I mean, every one of our personalities are different. Every one of our bodies are different. No matter who you are, you're different. So why would our anointings be exactly the same? 
They're not. Because if, if our anointings were the same, we would not have to be come into the fullness of Christ by bringing us all together to unite us. We're all different. We have to be united to be totally full and to bring fullness into Christ's body. So it's our anointings that are different. And everybody's anointing that has Christ in them is still part of Christ. So you need to kind of think maybe you don't like that per- person's anointing. You may be saying, ah, you don't like that left hand that Jesus has. <laughs> you know, it's like this is all still part of him, isn't it? Okay, so it's a member of Christ. Whatever the anointing is, it may not be your cup of tea because you're different, but it's still a part of Christ. Matthew 10.1, and when he had called unto his 12 disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Okay, so this is, this, he did this. He gave them power before he died. He put the Holy Spirit upon them. You see that? Before he died. Now, they didn't have, they weren't, they didn't have the Holy Spirit in them. They had no nature of God. I mean, what did Peter do? Cut off somebody's ear. Well, he had the power to put it back on, but he wasn't going to do it. Jesus did it. You see, because you didn't have the, it can be kind of dangerous when you have the power and you don't have the character, correct? <laughs> so, and that, that's where it was. And that's why when, I, when you read some of the stories before they were born again, before they received Christ within them, their personality, they totally changed, didn't they? I mean, like Peter went from one man to another completely. He was the most obvious, but most all of them did. It, they completely change when they receive the Holy Spirit within them. So uh, when this is, I used to wonder, okay, so they had the Holy Spirit in them, and you did that before you died. I don't know if you ever wonder this. So after they received the Holy Spirit, why did they have to wait for the power to come upon them? I used to wonder and wonder, you know. And then, I, you know, God spoke to me. He goes, nobody in the Old Testament had it permanently, you see. So when Jesus left, obviously he took the Holy Spirit with him, okay? So... He, he left and he took the Holy Spirit with him completely. Remember he came back before he had even ascended to his father and he told Mary, don't touch me. I have not ascended. Nobody can touch me yet. I'm, I'm taking myself, my spirit, I'm taking it all to heaven, okay? And I'm going to the father. But immediately that same day, he came back, okay? That very same day, he came back to the disciples, and John 20, 23, and when he had said this, he breathed on them and said unto them, receive you the Holy Ghost. He took the Holy Ghost with him in one day and brought it back the same day. You see that? He had to bring it to heaven to be sanctified. Do you understand? And holy. And then he brought this Holy Ghost back and he breathed into the disciples. So you see where the full circle is? This is a timeline to where right back to where God breathed him into Adam in the beginning. So he breathed the Holy Ghost into them. And then he said, whosoever sins you remit, they are remitted unto you them. And whose sins you retain, they are retained. When you have uh, the Holy Spirit within you, your sins are automatically forgiven. And this is when, when you're praying with someone else to bring the Holy Spirit, their sins are forgiven also. Okay, so basically they were born again right then because you see Jesus was already rec- resurrected. Okay, and they came up again. Those 12 disciples were born again. And then Jesus left for uh, eight days because it, he didn't show back up for eight days because it takes, 
And that was another thing I didn't understand. Why did he leave for seven days? I, I, you know, I just ask these questions. And when I see a void, it's like, why? Well, uh, because Leviticus will tell you that it takes seven days to ordain a high priest. And he was ordained our high priest. So then he came back, okay? And what I like is immediately came to find, you know, Doubton Thomas to show him, here I am. You don't believe me, but here I am <laughs> in real life, you know. So Ezekiel shows us, you know, back in the Old Testament here, Ezekiel 36, 26 to 27, a new heart also I will give you and a new spirit I put within you. So we, he's given you a new heart and a spirit. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh and I will give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statues and you shall keep my judgments and do them. So I'm giving you a new spirit and I'm giving you my spirit. So we had one spirit before and now we got two. Sounds pretty good to me, right? Um, John 3, 5, Jesus answered, I assure you and most solemnly say to you, unless one is born of water, your spirit being born of God, and the spirit receiving the Holy Spirit into you, he cannot ever enter the kingdom of heaven. Uh, okay, or kingdom of God in this one. I think that's only in Matthew, kingdom of heaven. But so anyways, this doesn't mean that you can't ever get to heaven. Do you understand? The kingdom of God is right here. We can walk right here in the kingdom of heaven here, but you're not going to walk in the kingdom of heaven if you're not born again. You're not going to. If you do not have a new spirit born of God, and you do not have the Holy Spirit, you're not going to walk in the kingdom of heaven. And this is what Jesus is trying to tell you. Acts 1, 4 through 5. And it being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, you have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days hence. So when he came back, he he gave them the Holy Spirit inside them, but he's telling them, don't go anywhere, okay? Because now you have to get power, okay? Now you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit, okay? Acts 1 says, but you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and into the uttermost parts of the earth. Okay, you guys. Do you really think that those disciples were going to all of the earth? <laughs> there were no planes that day. You know, how long were they going to live? For it? This isn't just for the disciples. God looks at each and every one of us as a nation, like you're a whole nation. You're a whole nation. He's looking at generation of generation of generation. This is for us. This is a command for us, okay? And that we shall receive power when the Holy Ghost has come upon us. So he's telling them to wait. And that was another question I had, you know, I was wanting to know, what is all this waiting? You know, I, I didn't understand. Why did you have to wait? You know, first you give them the Holy Spirit within them. Why in the world can't you, you know, <laughs> I, I ask these questions. I don't know if you do, but that's just the way my brain, you know, works. But then um, I, I love the way when I started looking at the feast, you know, you really have to go into the Old Testament and study the feast and, and there's a time for everything with God, and there's a reason for everything with that time. And the feasts are very important to him. So on crucifixion, um, crucifixion day was the Passover when Jesus was crucified, which was, he's our sacrificial lamb. It was the same day that they had to put blood over them so that the firstborn wouldn't be killed. Okay, well, he is our 
sacrificial lamb on, Pas- um, on Passover day. And then Pentecost, which means 50th day, okay? And it's also, uh, Shavuot, it's also called a festival of weeks. So it had to be 50 days. It had to be 50 days because that is when they offering, they take the first fruit, the first fruit of their harvest. When your harvest first comes up, okay, they give an offering to God of the first fruit. So what this is, is the Jews believe to give God everything you've got of the first fruit, whatever it is, and then the rest of your harvest is blessed. Anybody that was not a Jew says, okay, here's my first fruit. We're putting that in barn storage. This way, if we have a fire or a drought, I have seed, okay? The Jews' seed is with God. So because they gave the first fruit, all of their harvest is blessed. You get it? Okay, so they had nothing. They had no plan B, you see? So this is what first fruit means. For uh, Romans um, 11, 16, for if the first fruit be holy, the lump is also holy, and the root be holy, so are the branches. So Jesus is the first fruit from God, the first begotten son. He's our first fruit. And he had to wait until the fullness of Pentecost came for the harvest had to be ripe and ready to be picked, right? So sometimes, you know, I ask these questions and then I start studying a little deeper and there I go, I I receive my answer. (laughs) So so when I I kind of um, read that, I'm thinking uh, when, when uh, when the Pentecost came, and all of them were in the upper room and, and they all started, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they all started speaking in tongues. And I'm thinking, okay, 12 of them were born again. What about the rest of them? Well, they had to wait all together from when they were uh, probably about 40 something days, right? I'm not sure that they were only with believers. I mean, they probably already were baptized, you know, I mean, not baptized, but born again. But they may not have been. Maybe every one of them wasn't. Because you see, some people, and I know I have personally witnessed, and you may have too, some people, when they accept Christ in their life, it's so radical, they're born again and filled with the Holy Spirit in them and upon them at one time and speaking in tongues. Have any of you ever witnessed that? So you can have a radical saving. You really can. So there's different ways to receive the Holy Spirit in you and upon you. And we don't really know because the scripture doesn't tell us, you know, all about the others. It, it might have been they received the Holy Spirit upon them at the same time. Yeah. Right. Okay. So uh, Acts 2, 1, 3 says, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come. You see, that's when I got my answer right there, that scripture. When it was fully come. Pentecost had to be fully come before and they were all in one accord in one place and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire and it sat upon each of them see this was my answer oh my gosh pentecost had to fully come so you know if you search you're going to get your answers i love it and then so many times the holy spirit would just lead you to a scripture or you know you'll just Turn something on in that pastor speaking exactly what your question is. I, I just love how he operates. I love it. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And Jesus came and spake unto them and said, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Okay, again, this is not 
I mean, it can be water baptism, but what, God, what Jesus is trying to say to you, this is a transference of power that I'm trying to tell you what to do. I'm trying to transfer the power, and you need to immerse everybody to get the power. They have to be baptized because the Holy Spirit is Christ's spirit and the Father's spirit. They're all one, okay? So he says you're going to have to be immersed and united in order to be able to receive this power. So there's different ways you can receive the Holy Spirit within you. And these, there's actually lots and lots of scriptures. So I just took a few of them to show you the differences in the word. You can hear the word and believe. Um, Acts 8, 8. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. So you need to think. Many times people are speaking in large crowds, even today. I always think of Reinhard Bonnke speaking to millions of people. And they're falling down, saved, right there where they're at, and healed, right? Okay, and all they're doing is listening to the Word of God and believing, right? Mm -hmm. And the people were in one accord. That means they're all believing the same, right there, just by listening to the Word of God. And they gave heed unto the things which Philip spoke, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with loud voices, came out of many that were possessed with them, and many taken with palsies, and that were lame and were healed. And there was great joy in that city. Okay, yeah, there's joy for those that were healed, but everybody there didn't need healing and delivering, okay? There was great joy. That's showing you they received the Holy Spirit within them. They, they received a new spirit, a new heart, and now they're full of joy. But when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. So most people, once they know that they have Christ in them, now, because you're so grateful, you want to show God in your own physical way, you know, now I'm going to be baptized in water. I'm going to show you. I, I know I, I was a Lutheran, so, you know, I was baptized as a baby, you know, with water, you know, Father, Son, Holy Ghost. But when I got old enough, it, I, I needed to make this decision myself. You, do you understand? Because it's an outward expression of my feelings, not an outward expression of my parents' feelings. I'm no longer a child. I'm an adult. I need to make my decision, right? So I decided... I wanted to go underwater as the old man and come back up as the new man, just as Christ did. If I want the fullness of him, I wanted to walk like he did. And that was my decision. And that's what, it's a symbolization of what is happening in your life that you're expressing to God when you get baptized. I know that um, we did a baptism at the park last year, and it was amazing because um, even though some of them said they were saved, there were several of them that came up and they're like, what, you just should have seen them. I don't even know how to express it. They were like, oh my gosh, I'm so different. What is it? What is it? Oh my gosh. I mean, one of them went down with either the biggest hangover or still drunk or whatever <laughs> and came up looking like a total different person. I mean, he couldn't even open his eyes before. And, and it's just amazing. And every one of them, Maria was there and had him speaking in tongues. And it was just, I know some of them, thought that they believed, but maybe never believed deep in their heart, or maybe took God, maybe never took God, at, um, Jesus as their Lord, and save, you know, maybe as a Savior, but not as the Lord, because there were remarkable changes that we were seeing, and so sometimes you'll see something different, Every, you'll see something different from everybody, depending on where their heart is, right, 
Acts 8, 35, 37. Then Philip spoke, and beginning with this scripture, he preached Jesus to them, explaining that he is the promised Messiah and the source of salvation. As they continued along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch explained, Look, water, what forbids me from being baptized? And Philip said to him, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And he spoke, you see, he said, I do believe Jesus Christ is the Son of our God is the son of God. So now it's believing and speaking. The same thing in Acts 9, 5 through 6. And he said, this is Saul now, okay? This is Saul who had papers upon him that he demanded and tried to get so he could persecute more Christians because he was mad that they were calling, him the, calling Jesus the Messiah. So here he is going along in Damascus and all of a sudden he gets a voice from heaven and this light. And, it's, and he says, who art thou, Lord? You know, a question mark. Are you really Lord, right? And the Lord said, I am Jesus who thou persecutes. It is hard to kick against the pricks. And now Saul is trembling, but immediately he says, Lord. Okay, Lord. Jesus says, for anyone that calls upon my name, you are saved. That's another scripture, right? That's all Paul did. He believed it or he wouldn't have said it. I mean, you got a voice coming out of heaven and this bright light that just blinded you. <laughs> You believed it, <laughs> right? Okay, so, but right then is all he did was say, Lord. So he's right then accepting Jesus as his Lord. And that's all he did. So he was born again right then, right? But then he was blind, okay? So he didn't have the Holy Spirit upon him. Ananias had to bring that, and that's down here. So the next one is signs when the Holy Spirit you receive upon you. Mark 16 and 17. These signs will accompany those who have believed. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will get well. So you can see that this is power, but there's also protection. And if they drink anything deadly, it will not harm them. So this is what the Holy Spirit does when the Holy Spirit is upon you. So ways to receive the Holy Spirit upon you is to pray and lay hands on. Here's a couple of scriptures, um, Acts 8, 15 through 17. Who, when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. For as yet he was fallen upon none of them, only they were, were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then, this is Peter and John, they laid their hands upon them and they received the Holy Ghost. Okay? So um, Acts 9 through 17, now we're back to Ananias here. Um, so Ananias did not want to do this when God told him to, when an angel came to him and said, you know, you need to go, you know, bring sight back to Saul and put the, put the Holy Ghost upon him, lay your hands on him. And he's like, uh-uh, uh, are you kidding? I don't want to go anywhere near him. He's going to persecute us. But Ananias went his way and entered into the house and put in his hands upon Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto one of the way that he came us and had sent me, that thou mightest receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. So Ananias was already filled with the Holy Ghost, and he put his hands upon Saul, and now Saul received the Holy Ghost upon him. So you can see the different ways you can receive it, and that everybody does not, just because you're born again, does not mean that you have the Holy Ghost upon you. Holy Spirit, whatever. Acts 19, 19, 1 through 6. And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, I have passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus, and finding certain disciples, he said unto them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said unto him, We have not so much of heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. So here's people that are born again, okay, and believing in Christ and preaching, 
but never even heard of, didn't understand what the Holy Ghost was. Do you understand? Because they're just believing in Christ. They're just not understanding. And he said unto them, what were you baptized to? And they said unto John's baptism. And then they said to Paul, then Paul said, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him, which should come under him, after him, and that is Jesus Christ. When they heard this, they were all baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they spake with tongues and prophesied. Okay? Isn't that something? So we can receive the Holy Ghost in different ways. Um, we can pray. You know, there's a scripture. I didn't write it down, but there's a scripture that says, if fathers that are not even good people, that are wicked people, can give their own children good gifts, and if you're asking me for the Holy Spirit, don't you think I can give you a good gift? You know, you can ask for the Holy Spirit, okay? But if you follow this timeline I'm giving you, it's God that gives it to you always. But he directly gave it to somebody or it came from somebody filled with the Holy Ghost that had the Holy Ghost upon them or had the Holy Ghost in them. Do you see the difference? If you follow this, you have to understand how you're receiving it, correct? Hearing and believing, Acts 4, 30 through 32. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken when they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they spake the word of God with boldness. And the multitude of them, so this is a large, large group. Okay, this is the Jews. Uh, uh, that were, and the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that ought of of these things which he possessed was his own, but they had all had things in common. Now, they were already saved um, by Peter and John, but now they're all of one accord, and now they're filled. You see, now they're filled with the Holy Ghost, and now they're, now they're sharing God's love with them. You know, um, Kenneth Hagin, uh, I'm sure most of us here know who Kenneth Hagin is, and if you listen to him, you'll hear him say this many different times. He was not, he did not have the Holy Ghost upon him for four years when he was preaching. So he preached for four years. He had so much faith. You have to remember, he was on his deathbed, I believe it was 17. And he had so much faith that he immediately immediately his faith, when God brought him off of his deathbed, he, he walked right into preaching, okay? And he had healing after healing after healing because of his faith, okay? Because faith alone can heal you. It doesn't have to be one of the gifts of the Holy Ghost, okay? It can be, it can be just your faith. So there's many ways we can receive healing or deliverance or change of character, many different ways. God never offers you just one because we're all different, right? So uh, it, it's just we have to understand that if Kenneth Hagin was, you know, just his faith alone was healing people, but he was preaching for four years, and all of a sudden he was, you know, he says, I want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. I just found out about this. Now I want to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, and he was. And then immediately when he started preaching to his own congregation, they started coming up to him and saying, what's different about you? You are so different. He's going, really? He knew what it was. But he wanted to know if they knew. He wanted to know what they could see, right? 
They said, when you speak, there's so much power in you. We can just feel it when you speak. We can feel it. And then he came from several different denominations, okay, mostly Baptists. So when he went up to another Baptist uh, preacher and he had him baptized in the Holy Spirit, you know, you're not supposed to be telling anybody this. This is not part of our denomination. Do you understand? And then all of a sudden, his congregation started saying the same thing. You are so different. Okay, so that's when he changed and went over to Pentecostal, <laughs> okay, because he just wasn't fitting in anymore, okay, to the puzzle of where he was, the congregation he was speaking to, all right? So we just need to, uh, we, can, we can be a Christian all our life and have the Holy Spirit within us and maybe never receive the Holy Spirit upon us, all right? And so uh, Maria is going to be here tonight to baptize uh, anyone that wants to be in the Holy Spirit, because she has, uh, I don't know where she's at, but she has an amazing anointing. But she will baptize any of you in the Holy Spirit it, whenever you come in. Um, because she, she does have an anointing. And I, I mean, I know this. I have witnessed this many times. And I'm sure everybody sitting in this church have heard her talk about how many people. She's had almost everybody in the park speaking in tongues. She goes on a cruise ship and hundreds of them are speaking in tongues and baptizing the Holy Spirit. That's her anointing that... It's not that others of us can't, but to me, I just see that anointing all over here. Do, you, do you others see that? Do you see that special anointing that she has? And so, I mean, anybody that really wants to receive that, I mean, I'll be glad to lay hands on you or any of us, James or Ben, will. But I really believe, you know, I have a different anointing and I know that. I mean, I kind of know, it's not that I've never got anybody to speak in tongues, but I've had people that, some people that I've seen a couple people I know that say, you know, they'll show me scriptures where it's a gift. You know, that's a gift of diversified tongues. We'll be speaking about that all next week, okay? But it's, it's all available for you when you re receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit upon you, which will definitely change your life and help you in more ways, offering you more protection, offering you the power of God, offering you that when you lay hands on someone that they will be healed. Okay, so it's, it, that's available to you um, anytime. All you got to do is ask. All you have to do is be able to receive. I've had two friends that kept telling me that I never even really tried to get them to speak in tongues because when you're going to tell me scriptures that you believe is a reason that you are not speaking in tongues, you're not going to receive them. I don't care who talks to you. Do you understand what I'm saying? You're going to receive what you believe. Am I right? It's all about believing. And what do you want to receive from God? Do you want to receive the fullness of Christ? Do you want to walk with him in his fullness of every gift that he offers for us? Or do you want to, you know, just walk around as a baby Christian and part of Christ? You know, a little, a little you know, drop of water or a glass, <laughs> right? Is basically what the difference is. So, um, I, you know, some people don't know the difference. I, I, um, I went to Home Depot and I was wanting to buy this crown molding table saw and uh, couldn't find it anywhere. Now, I could have walked out of Home Depot because it wasn't there. It, it wasn't anywhere. You know, I'm looking everywhere. It's not there. The one I want isn't there. But I asked somebody and they got a forklift. They got way up high and they got it for me. So you have to be willing to ask somebody that's willing to climb the ladder for you. You know what I'm saying? That has the capability to reach higher and to help you get what you need. Because sometimes we don't ask. Sometimes we don't see, sometimes we don't know. But it doesn't mean it's not available, correct?
Okay, so that's all I have for you guys tonight. Thank you for letting me share. Treasure Coast Victory Center, visit us at mytcbc.com.